Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Everyone I've invited here has something extraordinary to offer the group. And if Lee invited you, I have no idea what you're doing here. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Streaming, a decoding TV podcast. I'm David Chen, and I also use AI to figure out where to inject the drugs. Joining me today, uh, her... Video essay work has been seen by millions of people. She's also a filmmaker and a previous co-host here on Decoding TV. Welcome back, Jesse Earl to Decoding TV. Yeah, and I am uh, downloading an app from some rando on the internet and allowing it to access all of my uh, my f- cell phone information. So I'm very <laughs> excited to be here. <laughs> as you do, as you do. Uh, we are so thrilled to have Jesse Earl back on. Uh, had a great time covering uh gen v with her and mm-hmm. also uh we're planning to cover invincible season two on this yeah. week in streaming in the next few weeks as well uh so and of course i do want to mention you should check out her work at youtube.com slash at jesse gender one uh and i've enjoyed many of her videos and and find them very entertaining and enlightening but we are here today because we are going to talk about a murder at the end of the world episodes one and two Episode one, Om Fatal, and episode two, <laughs> The Silver Doe. You can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com and find us across all platforms, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok at Decoding TV. And of course, if you want to support this podcast, become a paid member at decodingtv.com. It really does to help this podcast keep going. Now, uh, Jesse Earl. You know, I wanted to let people know a little bit behind the scenes. We had talked about <laughs> covering the show. We talked about covering the. We'll, we'll tell them about the behind the scenes of the pronunciation later. Okay, okay. I was wondering right, where you were right. going. You, you're All throwing right, me under the bus so quickly. I'm, I'm gonna have to throw. I'm gonna have to throw Jesse under the bus. Okay, because basically the the title of the first episode of Murder at the End of the World is Om Fatal, which is a very clever uh, sort of version of Femme Fatale. It's a very common concept femme fatale defined as an attractive and seductive woman especially one who is likely to cause distress or disaster to a man who becomes involved with her that is the online dictionary definition so um fatale is the male version of that and when we were starting to record this podcast i said hey uh jesse you know what are the what are the names of the first two episodes and she said i don't know the first it looks like it's latin uh ome fatile (laughs) i was just like what is happening? Um, <laughs> look, I am not. I, like, I don't. Rem- I don't remember it being Latin. Like that's when I. Uh, that's when. I- <laughs> look, I know I'm a very smart person, but I cannot pronounce words for crap. I am the most American person ever to exist. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's totally. Mm-hmm. It's totally on me. I will. I will accept that. <laughs> At least it's I, not as bad. To, it was the elephant in the room. We had to get that out into the world. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, to give people a little bit of sense of uh, the behind the scenes. Uh, I knew this was kind of going to be um, 
uh, a, a big show this fall, uh, especially because the talent behind it, Britt Marling, uh, Zal uh, Batmanglidge, they're the people responsible for the OA, which had a huge fan base when it aired on Netflix. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this was going to be like potentially a big show that debuted in the fall. And um, Jesse and I debated uh, multiple ways of covering this show. Like, should we do week to week? Mm. Should we do like batches of episodes or uh, should we do what we're ultimately going to do, what we settled on doing, which is cover it as this week in streaming. We're going to do the first couple episodes and then do another episode when the finale airs in, I think, five or six weeks. Yeah. Why are we doing it this way? <laughs> it's because Jesse and I both watched the first two episodes and we decided there's not quite enough going on on an episode by episode basis to feel like this justifies the week by week podcast treatment right yeah. um it, it i'm not i don't think the show is bad or anything but like i think that um you know we're the type of show that like dives into like extreme detail on like plot developments and uh it just didn't feel like there was that much uh to chew on necessarily in terms of week by week for the podcast format specifically. Yeah. Um, but there's still a lot to talk about. And so that's why we wanted to bring it to you in some format. So it's going to be this week in streaming. Uh, but just wanted to let people know what to expect. We're going to cover the first two episodes and then we're going to cover the finale after it airs. Now we um, say this and watch episode three will be some of the most radical out there. So many twists and turns episodes we've ever seen of TV because that'll be our luck. <laughs> I mean, if that happens, you know, we, we will. Yeah. Except we maybe I, I, I might I say, you know, to. I might yeah. call Jesse up and say, hey, we got to cover this. But uh, but uh, so far, we've only seen the first two episodes. So mm -hmm. like we don't know what happens. And there's only seven episodes. So it's, it's not like there's like 13 episodes. And, you know, yeah, like if uh, if you're unsatisfied with the coverage on Decoding TV, just wait <laughs> like three weeks and then it's going to be over. So, um, OK, all that said, we're going to start by talking about our overall thoughts on the first two episodes and then dive into a detailed recap of what happened. Um, so let's get into it. Jesse Earl, let's start by talking about our overall thoughts on the first two episodes of A Murder at the End of the World. Did you enjoy these two episodes? I did enjoy these first two episodes. I, I think it's sort of scratching that like um, post uh, Glass Onion Knives Out itch of like the Agatha Christie sort of modern day murder mystery. It, it very much feels like, without spoiling too much, very much in the vein of like Glass Onion in terms of structure. Um, which I, I, you know, it's not anything radical, but I definitely really enjoy it. It's a structure that has stayed stuck around for a long time because it is fun. Um, and this seems to be bringing in enough, like sort of its own individual ideas and themes to, to make it worthwhile. The thing that I'm ultimately going to be very curious to see without spoiling too much as the, uh, as the series goes forward to see how it evolves a lot of these ideas, because even to a degree, just considering, you know, the time period when this was made versus where we are now, again, trying to stay spoiler free here, it feels a little bit dated um, in a strange mm. way. Uh, and so I, I'm curious to see how much it's going to evolve those ideas over the course of the rest of the season. Uh, or if it is just going to be weirdly seem like a, just a, an unfortunate uh, casualty of just recent events in, in our industry specifically. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. Um, uh, ironically, I just came home from seeing a film mm -hmm. in a theater, an upcoming film that I'll be talking about at some point on my newsletter, decodingeverything.com or on the filmcast. Um, and there were references to, first of all, Twitter, which doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, like, oh, like Twitter's exploding about the blah blah, and it's like, okay, that doesn't. And then somebody yeah. said, oh, and we're going to be able, like, we might be able to get you on Tucker Carlson's show, which also <laughs> oh, doesn't really. I mean, it does exist on X now, but there's mm-hmm. he's no longer on Fox, and anyway. So I thought that was a very. I won't. I will not reveal the film, but I. Uh, it, it, this is the danger of making specific Anything, cultural yeah. references. Is things change so quickly that like by the time it happens, you know, it might not. Be well, even those with without that specific movie, and even this like topic that this is kind of going into too, like they feel like they should be, have been like more future proofed than they than you would have mm-hmm. thought. Whereas mm-hmm. like now, just like it feels like the things that this brings up, I'm like, oh yeah, it, it feels weird that these characters are shocked by this when it's like a lot of us have been talking about this for the past few months. Yeah, um, it's yeah, just yeah, clear yeah. that this was shot like a year and change ago before it was really exactly. Top of mind. So. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, okay, my thoughts on the first two episodes of A Murder at the End of the World. Uh, overall, I think it's very solid. Like, I, It feels like a solid murder mystery. I like that it is only seven episodes. I think it's a miniseries. I don't think they're going to do a season two yeah, of this. They maybe they will. a limited series, yeah. Yeah, so um, it makes me feel like we're going to get some closure at the end of this. Um, s- spoiler alert, there is a murder that takes place. <gasps> and I think like by the end yes. of the show... It will be solved, is my guess, and and that feels like it's going to be hopefully pretty satisfying. There's like a lot of little mysteries uh, that make me feel like, oh, I wonder what's going on there. The talent is great. There's some really great actors here, uh, including Clive Owen. I was a huge fan of Emma Corrin from their work on uh, The Crown, uh, and now they're here playing basically the protagonist of this uh, show, and I think they're doing a great job as well. Uh, I believe Emma Corrin is non-binary, by the way, uh, although the character that they play is not in the show, uh, as far though, as I can Though tell. there is some interesting gender presentation with the character mm, uh, yeah. in the show that I found to be intriguing to see if they explore that in any way, considering especially they cast Emma. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so all that stuff is great. I th- There's a lot to like here, I think. And if you're into kind of murder mysteries, I think that uh, th- there's a lot to enjoy couple things I don't like as much. Uh, first of all, as I already alluded to earlier in the podcast, uh, the pacing feels really slow. Like each mm-hmm. of the first two episodes was over an hour long, which is just like, okay, like if you, you know, <laughs> yeah. please like it, 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 <laughs> the show insists upon itself. It's, when, it, when you're watching a series that every episode is more than an hour long, it's like, okay, you better be you know, Mike Flanagan making Midnight Mass. Uh, for me to feel like this is worth the time. And I don't know that the show quite clears that bar. Uh, it, it does feel very slowly paced. And some of the dialogue is quite stilted. Um, mm-hmm. I think that one of the things that I think is, in general, a good feeling is when the show is ahead of the audience, right? Like you as the mm-hmm. audience, you're trying to catch up like, oh, what's what's going on with the show? Like what, what what's the show trying to communicate? You know, so, now sometimes that can go too far, like in the case of Westworld. Yeah. But most of the time it's like, oh, like the show is keeping you guessing and that's an interesting, you're, the audience is, is struggling to keep up. Very often in this show, it feels like the show is behind the audience. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll give an example, like early on in, in the episode, uh, in the first episode, uh, somebody, uh, one of the characters makes mention of like this legendary hacker, you know, Oh, so-and-so was a legendary hacker. And they, and, and I was like, okay, well, they're obviously going to play a significant role in the show. And, mm. but it's just, the dialogue is so stilted that it makes me feel like, 
Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I, I see what you're doing, show and. Just saying, um, I, I see the Chekhov's gun. You're about to, right. you're about to shoot off. Yeah. It's like, do you see this gun? It's right here on my mantle. Doesn't look right here. Pretty. Check it out. <laughs> and it does it many times. You know, like mm-hmm. it's not just like the one instance. Like I feel like that's happening with some frequency. Um, so that's a little bit, you know, uh, uh, a mark against the show. But overall, certainly worth us discussing and covering. And there's enough interesting stuff. To, be, to make it worth diving into. So yeah. uh, those are our overall thoughts on a murder at the end of the world. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's get to some thoughts on uh, what actually goes on. Let's talk about like the actual plot. We're going to spoil the first two episodes. Episode one, Om Fatal, and episode two, The Silver Dome. <laughs> I mean, you mean a home, homie fatality? <laughs> yeah. Let's get into it. In the present day, uh, Darby Hart, who's played by Emma Corrin, reads an excerpt from her best-selling true crime novel, The Silver Doe, in a bookstore. In flashback, Darby and her friend, uh, her boyfriend, Bill Farah, who's played by Harris Dickinson, whom she met as part of an online crime-solving forum, argue over and eventually decide to sneak into the home of a potential serial killer of several Jane Doe's. Eventually, Darby uses the hack she learned from following her hacker idol, Lee Anderson, to get inside the home, where they discover a dead body beneath the basement stairs. However, they are soon held at gunpoint, presumably by the killer, but they seem to escape, question mark? Bill, however, leaves Darby in the night, leaving a note saying, I think this is both too much and not enough. In the present, Darby reveals she and Bill have not spoken in the six years since. So that's kind of how the show opens. A couple of assorted observations here, Jesse Earl. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, Wow, was this a really inconsiderately run book event? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they all just sort of like got up and walked away as she was talking. <laughs> yeah, well, it, and it didn't feel like uh, Darby found it particularly important to show up either. Um, yeah, like gets it right as she's about to, uh, <laughs> as she's about to go on stage. <laughs> pretty, pretty lackadaisical on both sides of yeah, the equation yeah. is what I would say. But I, I think right off the bat, it it kind of sets me on edge a little bit because I don't know, is this building character in some way or is it just like they're doing this because it looks cool? Like having a character just stroll into their own book event right at the last minute. <laughs> it's like, oh, look at what a bad, ass. they don't, they, DJ they don't care about the world. They don't yeah. care about it. The, the rules, man. You know, like, and uh, so I'm like, is that, 
what I'm supposed to take away because that's pretty that's a pretty clunky way to make that point. Yeah, um, and it's also clunky on the other way too because we we learn later on from some characters that her book got like a lot of critical acclaim, but this scene kind of sets it up that no one really cares about her book because people <laughs> just get up and start walking away, and then they're like drawn in by how powerful her story is, which is an interesting way to do that. It's like, oh, yeah. she's like her story is very interesting, but it like runs against what the show later tells us, which is like she's a well known best selling author, which seems like people wouldn't be getting up and walking away at that point. I, I know, so it's kind of like. Now, look, Jesse, there's a possibility. <laughs> I actually think there's a possibility that we're going to find out this was all some dream sequence. Yeah, there's some, or some, some with this other here. shit is going yeah. on. Like, that's very possible. In which case, oh, that's going to explain everything that we just saw. But, like, mm-hmm. assuming that's not the case, it's weird. And, and I think the, <laughs> yeah. the, the flashback is also weird, too. Mm-hmm. And I think it's meant to be weird because they. That's, that's the other thing that makes me feel like this is all some kind of dream because. Obviously, they uncover this person. The bones are perfectly laid out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the person appears upstairs. Uh, and then they start saying the names of the dead people. It's very theatrical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, cut to the present and everything seems to be, everyone's breathing breathing comfortably. Yep. The, I mean, these are the people that made a show where they stopped the school shooting with the power of dance, is my understanding. So, like, <laughs> so it, I do love I, the OA quite a bit. So, yeah, I, that's I'm like, there is a chance for it to be very trippy. Right. I don't know if the, we're meant to take this at face value and I, David Chen, just find it weird or if there is you're supposed to think it's weird. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if, if like the audience is supposed to think it's weird, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, well, no, what, do you, exactly. what do you think of this sequence, Jesse? I, I think so too. And, and uh, I mean, here's my theory, if I'm allowed to to play with it, it's kind of foretelling what we're going to talk about in a little bit. So I won't go too, too far into it, but there's this element of like the chat GPT writing the story and that mm. being missing. And so uh, like missing elements of things and not being as good at telling stories. So perhaps that's also playing into how this story is being told. Um, which might be a sort of an interesting tie into the theme. So I, I think that there are basically long and short of it is there are there are themes set up within the show that I think could lay the groundwork for something like that. Um, but it could also just be that it is uh, just weird setups too. It's it's hard. It's again it's hard because right. like I, I'm I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on it though because they are people who have made something like the OA, which is wild a wild show just in and of itself so you know there there is um trust enough that they are willing to to play with you and your expectations mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so jesse what happens after the opening sequence yes uh after the uh <clears throat> excuse me after the reading darby returns home where she receives a message from billionaire tech philanthropist andy ronson played by clive owen to download a mysterious app once installed and given permission to her phone, the app is revealed to be an artificial intelligence, excuse me, alternate intelligence, as Andy likes to call it, named Ray, played by uh, Ed Odardo, apologies, I'm probably mispronounced his name, so apologies on me, uh, Odardo Ballerini, who invites Darby to a mysterious retreat. Darby, enticed by the fact that Andy is married to Lee Anderson, played by Britt Marling, accepts and Darling arrives at a high-tech hotel in Iceland owned by Andy who reveals that the retreat is to bring together a group uh is to bring together a group to come up with ideas to address the looming cri- climate crisis including a famous filmmaker, a robotics engineer, a doctor turned moon explorer, explorer, a Chinese smart city designer, and Bill, Darby's former boyfriend who seems to have an unspecified history with Lee Anderson. All right. Well, 
now we get to some of the core plot elements of mm-hmm. the show. And I think you're right that there are parts of this that feel weirdly dated. Because yeah. as you indicated, Jesse, we have been talking about ChatGPT and AI for, I think, the last year or so right um yep yep. and so when it's like oh there's an ai and it can speak like a human i think a a lot of us are like well what else have you got you know like yeah yeah it's not doesn't feel like a super revolutionary concept given that we've seen it play out in reality like in practice in our Mm -hmm. lives you know what i mean i will Uh, say the way that they do it is pretty interesting i haven't really seen it done this way before where the ai ray uh, is sort of appearing on her phone as part of like augmented reality and seems to be like an actual person that you view through the phone. So I thought that that was kind of a, a cool visual way to do it that I haven't seen before. But the actual concept and ideas that it's playing with are sort of like, yeah, I, I, I've seen this before. What are you going to do with it sort of thing? And the show at this point hasn't really done much with it. Other than I will say I do like Ray. I think the performance is, is really, uh, really solid, both in voice and in his uh, few physical scenes that he gets. Yeah. Uh, I agree. And that's the thing is, uh, I think that a lot of the technology feels really well done, like feels mm-hmm. really true to life. Uh, the idea that Darby would need to download an app onto their phone mm-hmm. and, and give it all uh, this access, you know, give the access. But like, okay, so that that's that actually feels like, oh, that's how that would actually happen in real mm-hmm. life. Like, I, you know, I've worked at companies that use like, you know, test flight and beta apps and stuff like that to like communicate with people. Um, but there's just like weird <laughs> moments. So for I'll give an example. Like Darby speaks with her friends about fearing giving this billionaire control of their phone, and then and then later on, like, but then the, you know uh, they kind of shrug off the things. Like, oh well, whatever. Like it's just my phone. It's not like yeah, I, I, you got everything backed up, right? It's all in the cloud, right? Um, but then like later on, she says, you know, you can't take away my phone. It's half my brain is on there. And that was just a weird thing to say, given that just, you know, 10 minutes ago, somebody was like, oh, if he nukes your phone, who cares? And she she seemed to, like, agree with that. That was a weird... Anyway, there's just, like, little things like that that I'm just kind of like, huh, I wonder if I'm supposed to feel like that's weird. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I will say I do really like the setup here with Clive Owen. Again, very Glass Onion-like to a degree. Right, right. Uh, we, in particular, the second glass onion film where mm. an eccentric billionaire brings like all these people from different walks of life uh to their home in the mm. middle of nowhere where a murder occurs and then a, <laughs> and they have a, to a solve detective it. needs to solve it now in this case she's not actually a detective she is um she's like a true the, crime author and, and a hacker, she's a right? true crime author but also has forensic experience because her father mm. uh worked in uh that field as well so anyway uh th- which is which is an interesting kind of angle on it it's like not you see detectives do it very often but you, it's rare to see true crime authors that also have like forensic experience and yeah and you know experience with anatomy and, and things of that nature and i also um, say something too that um kind of bringing up in the weirdness of it all too it's implied and this kind of goes to the glass onion thing as well where it's implied that she was not uh darby was not invited to the uh this place by Andy it was actually um invited by Lee Anderson. It's not stated directly, but it's sort of implied that uh, Andy said and like I don't know why you're here if you were invited by my wife, but you know, I'm glad to have you here regardless. So there's like an implication that she wasn't invited by Andy. Um, well, the setup is that there's nine people that have been invited. 
Lee Anderson, the uh, Clive Owen character. I'm oh, sorry. An- I'm sorry. Andy yeah. Ronson, the yes. Clive Owen character, has invited five of them, and his wife, Lee Anderson, played by Britt Marling, she's invited four of them, and I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a long-running season mystery as to who invited who. Is who is invited who? Yeah. I think it's clearly a red herring that, like, my guess is that it's pretty clear that Andy Ronson did actually invite Darby, right? Mm-hmm. Because that would be the surprising thing. Yeah. Uh, because the, the thing is, she does seem quite outmatched in many ways by a lot of the people mm-hmm. that are in the thing, that are invited, you know? Mm-hmm. Including Joan Chen, by the way, who shows up <laughs> in this show, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Joan Chen is great. Yeah. 62 years old. By the way, looks amazing. I look um, worse than her today, and I'm only in my 30s. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I can only dream. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think it's it's actually comical, like how this person went to the moon and mm-hmm. this person designed smart cities, and Darby wrote a book. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, and, uh, but I think at the end of the day, it's like. Maybe Andy Ronson invited Darby mm-hmm. because he knew that someone would die or, you know, something. Yeah. Gonna the happen the that's weird gonna setup twists that will probably come in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they're off to Iceland, uh, which looks incredible. Have you been to Iceland, Jesse? Or I have not. But uh, every time I love, I weirdly love cold places, which is why I'm living in California right now and I hate it. <laughs> but, um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I love Iceland. It always looks gorgeous in film. I have been to Iceland. It has a very special place in my heart. I, mm. uh, it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to on the planet. Possibly the most beautiful place. Wow! Damn. Uh, and I don't know if they actually shot like they those, did. I uh, actually looked up. They shot. They shot there, and also in New Jersey for a lot of the flashback stuff that we saw. I was going to say the two most common, like <laughs> the two places that you could match with each other: Iceland yeah, and New, New Jersey. Jersey, New they Jersey look, yeah, they're completely indistinguishable from each other. Um, <laughs> One of them is a barren wasteland. And the uh, other is Iceland. And the other is Iceland. (laughs) (laughs) One of them is a barren wasteland where someone can get murdered and there's no help whatsoever. You know, anyway. um, The other... uh, Yeah, so I I thought all the Iceland stuff looked amazing and it does capture kind of what's special about it, which is you really feel like you're at the end of the world. Like there's, there's no one there for miles around. Interestingly, by the way, uh, what's amazing about Iceland is uh, no matter where you are, there is amazing cell phone coverage on, on Iceland. So really? you're in the middle of nowhere. It has some of the best cell phone coverage I've ever seen. Like you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You you can see three miles in every direction <laughs> and there's zero people and you're, you have full bars. Basically, that was my, that was my experience. All right. Well, um, good to know so, that I can't. Uh, I get better cell phone coverage there than New Jersey. So I guess yes, it is better to get kill someone in Jersey than Iceland. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh, so yeah, Darby meets all the people. We she sees Britt Marling cleaning up some mess in her room. Uh, Lee Anderson's character, and it's like Lee Anderson that she really wants to meet. Um, mm. And then apparently, uh, Darby's ex boyfriend Bill uh, is like kind of the Banksy of this universe, right? Like, yeah. Which it was. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Was a shock to me based off of. The ver- version of him that we got in the flashback, right? Like, this is not a guy that felt like he had a lot going on in his life. Based he did off feel of like glimpses. a down on his luck, sort of like, I'm just hanging out doing nothing sort of dude. Not like, I'm hanging out with billionaires all the time. 
Well, I, I mean, charitably, I would say that, you know, uh, after he broke up with her, that's when his career really took off, right? Is when his experience with her was so inspiring that it, it created, like, caused him to create this art piece called Artificial Insanity, which he references <laughs> later. So. Yeah. I will also say too something uh, something to do with him and as well as Darby's character that I find interesting is the presentation between past and present because Darby you know we're talking about gender presentation and just something I noticed is that Darby in the past is very much dressed very uh, femininely like wearing dresses her hair is much longer even even in the sections that we'll see some stuff later on where she's uh, younger than even before she met Bill uh, but even when she's with Bill she seems to be dressed that way. Um, but then in the present, she has a lot of tattoos that even seem to echo a lot of Bill's tattoos. And she has a much more um, um, androgynous look to her mm. um, that I found. I, I'm just sort of curious what the show is doing there because, um, you know, the OA was well known, uh, especially in the trans community back in the day for being one of the few shows. I mean, it exploded a little bit more now, but at the time it was one of the few shows that did have sort of trans uh, representation um in it and so i'm curious to see uh how the writers of this show might be playing with that idea um as well um because they're they've been known to do it before at a time when it wasn't sort of as as forefront of people's minds as it is today yeah yeah so we'll see how that plays out i did think it was a wonderful moment when darby sees bill sit down Mm -hmm. and then she starts choking on the food yeah Yeah. Because I was shocked as well. That was not who I expected to see Mm -hmm. show up. And uh, it is very convenient from a plot perspective that her ex-boyfriend just also happens to be one of the most brilliant people on the planet. But, Mm -hmm. you know. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll grant that to the show. There's also an element, too, that it could be intentional as well, that that's part of the, the messing around. Because they, they, she wrote about Bill in her book. So theoretically, you know, the Andy and Lee characters would know that they would know each other. It's not sort of like completely incidental. Right. I mean, there's kind of stuff like that where, remember, they're in the pool later on. Mm-hmm. And one of the people says, yeah, when I heard, you know, I didn't want to come to this thing. But when I heard that, that uh, Fangs, I think his name, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's his artist name is Fangs. When I heard <laughs> Fangs was going to be here, I, I had to come. And my reaction was how did you hear that Fangs was going to be here? Like no one knew that was one of the whole things was like, no one knew who anyone else was before mm-hmm. they should. Anyway. So I'm like, is, is that supposed to be a clue that you, you know, anyway, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just kind of, I, I'm wondering what is a clue that something is amiss versus mm-hmm. that's just like clumsy storytelling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I have that in mind uh, the whole time. Am I overreacting? Probably yes. Feel free to let me know at decoding TV. No, I mean, I've, I've been trying to keep it because uh, we're going to get to a scene later on that I think I'll bring up some of my thoughts mm. on on these elements of the show. Uh, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but I'll wait until we get a little bit further into the discussion. But I do have thoughts on why that might be the case, but it's just a, a theory. So, yeah. Uh, so what happens next? Bill and Darby go out for a walk where Bill reveals he left her because she scared him. And because he felt Darby had left Bill over and over again in metaphorical ways. Darby declines Bill's invitation to get warm in his hotel room. Uh, but, but Which, by the way, I think he also says, I have something I need to share with you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe he has some critical information. Um, but she changes her mind after listening to a song on her iPod cl- uh, classic. Uh, <laughs> and she goes to visit him. But hears grunts and crashes, causing her to go to his window outside just to see him fall to the ground covered in blood. Darby rushes to get Sean, played by Alice Braga, to help him, but Bill dies before she can do anything. 
this was to me like pretty clearly he was uh murdered like, yeah yeah it was but then like in the next episode they try to pass it off as though he od'd but it was like the dude is covered in blood like it's not um <laughs> it's not so like, weird I, yeah yeah it's ahead. like he could have fallen and hit something but it's just it's staged very strangely for that i did really like the the the, the moment though where she has to like run outside in the high-tech building and yeah. like go and find this like weird windows it, it was that element of it was kind of cool uh and fit the strangeness of the location but yeah it was staged very strangely if they meant to kind of play it as like it could go either way sort of thing that is uh how uh a lot of hotels in iceland are structured is like mm-hmm. everyone kind of has their own little like, like lookout and mm-hmm. then you know and it looks out over this amazing vista but you know the only way you can access it is by awkwardly going around if you can't access from the inside you have to awkwardly like go around to the outside mm-hmm. and you usually don't even sometimes you can't even reach it you know because there's other stuff in between so yeah i did yeah. like the verisimilitude there when it came to the hotel structure um but i guess that's it in terms of episode one right anything else yeah. about episode one we want to talk about or shall we move on no, That's I it, think right? that was that was pretty much the the just basic setup. You get at a weird place, and murder happens. So, Jesse, tell us about some stuff that happens in episode two of this show entitled "The Silver Dope." Uh, the next morning, Andy tells his guests that Bill's death was due to an overdose, which Darby contests, given Bill had gotten sober during their time together. And also, Andy pushes his guests to stay despite the events. Darby distraught sneaks into Bill's hotel room to investigate his corpse and find ev- and finds evidence of uh, injections in uncommon places on his body and no fingerprints on the needle, leading Darby to believe that Bill was murdered. Bill also sees Lee sneak into Bill's room to investigate, and later she quietly enlists Lee's help during a presentation from the filmmaker about how he wrote his latest film with the AI Ray's help, shocking the guests who apparently have not heard of ChatGPT. <laughs> right. This is, the, you know, he's like, I, and I and I made this movie with the help of artificial intelligence, not knowing that we've been hearing nonstop about these mm-hmm. issues for the last six months because of the writer's strike and everything like that. Which is also um, interesting, too, by the way. I, I did look up sort of some background information on the episode, and apparently this show was supposed to come out in August, but was yes. delayed specifically due to the writer's strike. And, and I have to wonder, because there's no way they, like, shot more stuff in like the week since the sex strike ended. Uh so I'm I'm very curious um if uh if they delayed it specifically because it was dealing with some of these issues. Mm, yeah, I didn't even think about it. You know, cuz we were uh I was considering covering it on Decoding mm-hmm. TV uh mm-hmm. cuz it was supposed to come out in, in August as you said, right? Yep, so yep. um and yeah, it probably would have been a bad look for the show to come back during that time. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, now that you mention it, Jesse, it probably would have <laughs> looked really terrible if it came like out. It's great. Yeah, it's all look at what I did with my film. Yeah, and, and it's this goes to my uh, my theory because there, uh, this show is sort of like the characters in this scene are extolling the virtues of like, look how cool it is to work with Ray, and isn't it like it, we could right. write with like they write with yeah. uh, Harry Potter and Ernest in the voice of Ernest Hemingway. And by the way, I even went to Chat GPT and and asked at the same prompt that the character gives in the episode about like write a Harry Potter chapter in the voice of Ernest Hemingway. And it came up with something very similar. So like this, this exists right now. Um, and the show plays it as very weird. So that's sort of the dated part of it, but it does go to my idea of like, if, 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 if there is these sort of like weird inconsistencies in the story that you and I have been pointing out. And I'm curious if the surprise is that 
this whole show is supposedly being written by Ray. Like, I don't think the show itself is mm-hmm. actually written by AI. I don't think they did that. <laughs> but I think, right. like, maybe one of the twists within the universe of the show is that the, the story we are watching is supposedly being told by AI. And that's why there's these weird inconsistencies, because the story doesn't completely make sense because a human, quote unquote, didn't write it. So. Yeah. Wow. That would be the sort of trippy thing that I think these these writers would do, considering I know their work on the OA. Right. That's why, yeah, that's why Darby storms into her book events extremely late <laughs> at the beginning. Is cause yeah. that, that is totally a decision that ChatGPT would make. It's like or, right at the last minute. Or, uh, or it could be mediocre human writing. We don't know. Yeah, we'll um, hopefully so, find out. If at the end of the uh, season, turns out like the, the, this, there was no twist like that, then we, I think we both just say, yeah, I guess they just, they just were not. I guess it's just a little, it's, yeah. not, ter- it's not the worst no, thing no. in the world. It's just a little bit clunky. That's, it's, mm-hmm. that's all, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. So what else happens? In flashback, we see Darby from a young age working alongside her forensic pathologist's father to help investigate dead bodies. Darby quickly becomes enraptured with a Jane Doe found alongside Strange Earrings, the silver doe from future Darby's book, which prompts her to begin sleuthing on the internet, leading her to encounter Bill. The two bond over their investigation until Darby discovers a major clue that would cause Bill to have to meet her in real life, scaring Darby. Bill romantically hacks into local lamps to send a Morse code message to Darby, wishing her a happy birthday, prompting her nervously but happily to meet him for the first time at a local bar. Back in the present... uh, Sorry, I meant Darby, Darby uses her skills and clues from Lee to hack into the camera outside Bill's room, where she finds video of a person with a mask outside of his room before he died. So that's uh, what else constitutes the rest of the episode. And I think uh, I got to say, I thought that the other stuff, the uh, the flashbacks to Darby as a kid and the mm-hmm. flashbacks to... Uh, the flashbacks to Darby as a kid, notwithstanding the unprofessional behavior of her father bringing... <laughs> Her child, his child, to work, um, and the the stuff with her and Bill, it all kind of worked for me. It was, it felt like a very plausible way that a relationship like that would develop. What do you think, Jesse? Yeah, and I actually think it was some of the strongest stuff in the episode um, mm-hmm. that I think really sold it well. I actually really like uh, the relationship between Darby and her father, and um, you know, it, he is very unprofessional bringing to work, and also like it's a little. We see her as like a little kid with near a dead body, which is her father seems, seems very cold. Like, yeah, it's fine. She's 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 good, and I, I do really like how he just seems to view her as like an extension of himself. Like, you know, it teaches her how to uh, like read dead bodies and do all the forensics and doesn't really see her beyond like having see her as like uh, having a personality beyond that um which we, we even we see in the first episode in the too. present day we see mm-hmm. them speak in the present day and they talk about dead bodies like you know you mm-hmm. talk about the weather with your parents you know yeah exactly um, and was, i really liked that i thought it was very very well written that was one of the stronger aspects for me i thought i thought the modern day stuff was a little bit mannered like mm-hmm. it was very like Look how look how edgy they are talking about a dead body. Like you've never seen a father daughter talk like this before. It's kind of how I felt like mm-hmm. the screenwriters were thinking when they wrote those scenes. But all the the flashback stuff worked really well for me. Um, and the idea of like meeting someone on the internet 
like bonding over true crime like mm-hmm. that strikes me as very very plausible so yeah um yeah i i, I liked all that stuff so i i do and i also really like darby and bill's performances off of each other they they because I, I wrote in the uh the the sort of uh synopsis here like he romantically sort of does the morse code thing which could very much have come off, and it some, somewhat does to a degree come off creepily but i think their performances really sell that romanticism of it um mm-hmm. which I, I really did like uh, so any other thought, you know, before we get to our concluding thoughts on the episode, uh, Jesse, I think we're we're uh, pretty much at the end here. Uh, why don't we just take a pause? Jesse Earl, you want to let people know where they can find more of your work on the Internet this week? Yeah, you can find me uh, at Jesse Gender over on YouTube where I do video essay type of stuff. I just recently released a video uh, about the video game Starfield, but more uh, sort of wondering about the sort of... Um, the meaning of science fiction and how we write science fiction. So please check out that video. Um, I'm also going to have some other video essays coming up soon. I also have a uh, secondary channel called Jesse Gender After Dark, where I do news reviews, reactions. I'm reviewing uh, the Invincible episode by episode over there as well. And then I'll we'll be doing a full recap here on this podcast too. And then uh, I also am on Nebula, which is the streaming service that hosts a bunch of uh, myself and a bunch of other wonderful creators. Uh, and they are also funding my sci-fi film that'll be coming out early next year called Identities, starring uh, the wonderful John Delancey of Star Trek fame and uh, uh, Abigail Thorne of Philosophy Tube, amongst many others. Uh, so you can check that out when it comes out. Jesse is uh, very busy, and we're very <laughs> grateful to have her talents here on uh, Decoding TV. So, And, of course, you can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. And if you want to support this podcast, uh, you know I pay everyone who I work with, um, video editors, co-hosts, everyone gets paid. And it's only because of people who are paid subscribers at decodingtv.com that I can do that. Uh, so if you want to support the show, become a paid member at decodingtv.com. It's greatly appreciated. All right, Jesse, let's wrap things up here. Uh, I guess, do you have any predictions about what's going to happen here? Like, the the biggest question to me is obviously who killed yeah, Bill. Yeah, Bill, yeah. I mean, if Bill was actually murdered, which I think he was because the title of the show is A Murder at the End of the World. <laughs> uh, but also, like, who who killed Bill? Um what of what we have seen is true or fake? Like, was the scene where they encounter the serial killer a dream or was it real? Mm. You know, is there anything of what we've seen that isn't real? You know, like, or is it just something she made up for her story too? Like, cause she's reading right? from the book at that point. So it could just be yeah. something made up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't even think about that though, but that's yeah. great. That's a great interpretation. Um, yeah. Any any predictions as to who might have killed? But I, I think it's still too early to know. That's my and that was going to be one of my major criticisms that I was going to put up uh, here at the end is that by episode two we only have what five more episodes and there's still time I think to do this, but I don't have a firm enough grasp on the other potential suspects other than perhaps Andy and Lee. I, they they get a decent amount of characterization, but everyone else we get little snips of them, but I don't know enough about their motivations and who they are to really have a guess at this point. Um, so I I'm I'm hopeful that the next few episodes will sort of flesh them out in order to give me some of those uh, little hints and clues. Because as of right now, it's kind of hard to make any real guess. I, I do have like, I think thematically, there's some interesting ideas set up here, like I said, with the AI stuff um, and the like telling of stories. And even the title, The End of the World, which sort of seems to imply like maybe there's some time chicanery going on here as well. Um, so, you know, there's enough themes that set up some interesting ideas, but I'm sort of curious what that's going to mean in the actual plot. Um, and there's not enough yet to really hook myself into that. Yeah, I think that's that. That all strikes me as right. Um, 
there's just some there's just like as I mentioned, you know, when I'm watching the show, there's just all these little weird decisions. Here's another weird decision, okay? Mm-hmm. There's this really I I, get, I have to say overall, I think the direction on the show is pretty good. Like pretty yeah. solid overall. Um a lot of the moments are really impactful. The show looks great overall. I think like there's a lot of strong direction. Uh, and one of those scenes is this scene when they're both in Bill's uh, room. Both Lee and Darby are in Bill's room and like Darby is trying to evade detection. Mm-hmm. And like she's about to be discovered when all of a sudden Lee gets a Lee hears a noise and is reminded, oh, yeah, I got to be somewhere. <laughs> but then literally the scene afterwards, Darby reveals that she was in the room with Lee at the same time. So it's like, well, what was the point of her mm, hiding? Like, <laughs> why the couldn't they have had the conversation? She, yeah. Like, yeah. Had I, a conversation guess, in the room. Yeah. Right. I, I, it was just like, okay, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just left scratching my head. Is like, what are some of these decisions? Again, maybe there's like obvious answers that I'm just not. I think, right I think the, yeah. the, the answer that I, I mean, the immediate answer that I could give is just like, I think they wanted to add a scene with like tension in the sense of right. not even the scene where she's there, where it's like, they're talking while like Andy's in the room and he seems to get annoyed at one point with them. So I think like shooting it that way, like, uh, gives there a little bit more like tension to the scene, but it doesn't make sense in terms of like the larger scope of the, the episode where it's like, you could have just had them have the conversation <laughs> in that room and then go forward. So yeah, right. it's, just, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was a well done scene of tension, you know. Like yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's true. Like it, it, but then it's like, okay, well, what was the point of that? You know, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's just like moments like that where I'm like, what's what's going on here? What is it? You know. Anyway, uh, otherwise, uh, I do think the show tackles a lot of things that are really relevant in our society. AI, um, billionaires who think they can solve the world's problems. Yep, yep. Another huge issue that we face. And I'm curious where it's going to come out on all of that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Lots lots to uh, figure out about where the show lands on those things. So, anyway. Yeah. show has me intrigued, but uh, it, it really depends on how they land it. It hasn't hooked me up, but I'm intrigued by a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. All right. Jesse, any thoughts or show, any other thoughts? Should we wrap it up there? No, that all sounds great to me. I'm looking forward to talking about this when it all wraps up. All right, yeah. We'll be back in a few weeks uh, with our conclusion of what we thought about the murder at, uh, a murder at the end of the world. Um, and in the meantime, I anticipate Jesse will make uh, at least one or two more stops here on <laughs> yep. Decoding TV Exciting. before we get to that point. So stay tuned for that. Jesse Earl, thank you so much for chatting with us here on Decoding TV. Thank you for having me. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 